Welcome back. Process, preparation, and performance. He's Coach Simmons. I'm Coach Duke. And JR, we are making a trip out to the coast again today. I can't believe it. How we got so lucky, I have no idea. Everybody keeps saying yes. We haven't been turned down yet. So either we're doing something right, they're not busy, or they feel sorry for us. Either way, I'm perfectly good with it. Coach, we're going to introduce you, but like I told you off air, I just wanted to say thank you because I watched some of your videos through uh, another company. I watched some great stuff on tech stuff. I watched some great stuff on program building. Uh, I'm not scared to say that I stole some of that information and adapted it to things that I think because it's truly amazing. And I'm, I'm going to have you dive into it later in one of our questions, but you've had some recent adversity that we're going to get into and we're going to tie it into your football program, but JR really coach Steinberg out there in California. This is, this is remarkable to me because his bio is like stupid. Awesome. Yeah. 170 something wins in California. You're talking about CIF titles and all this stuff that is just incredible. You know, here in Missouri, we have about 350 teams that play baseball or football, rather. We yeah. have about 350 teams, maybe. Coach, before we get too far into it, how many teams do you think are in California that are playing football? Well, if you, if you look at all the various levels, I think there's somewhere a thousand, maybe. <laughs> oh and you're talking 170 something wins, titles, playoff periods. That is awesome, coach. And, and thanks to the great game of football at the high school level, I know my California geography really well. Whenever, <laughs> whenever we go somewhere, I'll tell my wife, oh, such and such high school is there. So-and-so is the head coach. Right, right. And I know all my freeways because of where the high schools are. So, <laughs> Hey, man, it's whatever works. <laughs> so we do the same thing here in mid-Missouri. And we've actually, the rivals have gotten so good. I've told, I've told JR this before. There's actually a town right up the road that we're rivals with that if my car ran out of gas, I would not get gas in that town. I would push my car to the next town so I don't give that school district any money. You know, so the, the rivalries get pretty good here. I like it. Um, Coach, I want to start off real easy before we dive into the football stuff. And maybe it's not easy, but there's been a lot of shutdowns this week. States getting pushed back, other states saying, we don't care, we're moving forward. Here in Missouri, Washington University, which is a very prestigious university in St. Louis, just canceled all fall sports. And the trickle-down effect has already started. There's been some mm -hmm. school districts that have said, we're going back only virtually, and their, their programs have been shut down. Texas, I just saw today, pushed their season back. You guys in California have had something similar. And while the weather is favorable, your season is getting pushed back till January, I believe. With that being said, tell us what's been going on, because normally this would be prep time for you guys. You guys would be rolling. We, we would be very deep into, into our, you know, our off season with, we'd be getting ready now just to kind of break summer and get ready for fall camp. We have not trained together since the schools all got out at the end of March. 
So it's been 100% virtual with the exception of, you know, you can't stop kids from being kids. And, and I know some of our kids got together and gone to the park and done some small group training and stuff. But other than that, like we just have had no, no team activity and we've had to just like everybody else had to find a way to, uh, to work through it. Right. It's, it's really been tough. I've been talking to coaches from Missouri, some guys that are really good friends and guys we battled against and that's how the relationship got started, you know, and I know that they're at a, they're at a place right now where, you know, there's a saying that says sometimes people need football more than football needs them. Right. And I think that's true for so many people right now, not just players, but coaches. What, what does the process look like going forward? So the it's been delayed. I know your weather is favorable, so that, that may be okay. But what does it look like going forward? Is this still a bunch of questions or is it, I think I saw December 8th, hit the ground and run. So, so it's December 14th. Our okay. state organization has said, okay, football will start their official fall practices December 14th with the first game being played uh, January 2021, January 8th. Right. You could have a scrimmage before that. Um, and you have a 10-game season. There's going to be sectional playoff, section championship, and state, state regional, state championship. Those are all scheduled. But I think that's great that we have a date. All of that stuff's awesome. But the reality is that we are pretty much shut down in a lot of California right now where people are not on the field with, with their team. And the challenge is to get back so that we can get those numbers down so that we can get back and be permitted to do um, in-person training with the kids. So we could have a date, but it, the, the reality is, is if we can't get back um, and do the things necessary to get those numbers down, we're not going to get back and they could still wind up, you know, pushing back the season or taking games away or, you know, worst case scenario, canceling games. And so one of the things that I think is really important um, and, it, and it, it, it's something that I think back to that a, a friend of mine um, had mentioned this to me and I learned this from, uh, from Rick Jones, who was a high school football coach out in the state of Arkansas. He's at Missouri right now on staff there. Um, told me about the Stockdale paradox. You've mm. got to be really positive. Okay. Right. right. We want it. We want to be positive. We want there to be a season. We want to hope for the best, but at the same time, you've got to be completely honest with yourself and tell you where you're at right now. Things aren't, things aren't great. Right. Um, and so the paradox is while, while you remain super positive, you've got to let yourself know what, where you are right now. And so I think that's very important because um, in order to have that season come and in order for us to get back on the field and do the things that we're super passionate about, we've got to acknowledge that, hey, right now it's, it's kind of bleak right now. So we've got, to, we've got to follow protocols and all that stuff so that we can get back to that. When they finally let you guys go ahead and start playing again, are they going to limit you by region or are they just going to let you go with the schedule you had or how, how's that looking? So, so you guys have to understand, you know, like there's so many schools in California, we have 11 geographic regions. So there's a San Diego section, a, an, an LA city section, a Southern section, which is the largest section. And it goes on and on and on. 
depending on the county that you're in um, and the and the region would be part of that county, obviously, depending on the county that you're in, it really, you know, that I guess that health coordinator, the doctor needs to give the go ahead for that county to, to resume certain activities with, you know, high school and youth teams being, being one of them. So um, there are some sections that aren't completely shut down right now. So for instance, the California Northern section, which is up in the very north part of California, they don't have it as bad as it is down here. I believe they're going to be going back to school in person and oh, they're wow. not going to have, they're not going to start there. They're kind of breaking away from the state for this year. So they won't participate in the state championship because their season is going to start earlier. Okay. That's different. <laughs> that is different. You know, Bill and I, we talk quite a bit, and I mentioned to him, because in various parts of Missouri, kind of like what you're saying, some are full go, some are shut down, and nobody's wanted to break uh, with the association or anything, but we've talked about there are certain schools getting a pretty good competitive advantage just because they're able to practice more right now mm -hmm. based on those that are like, no, we're, we're shut down for another two weeks right. or right. we're rolled back to phase one. And, you know, I – it's going to be a little bit tough, especially if they say, okay, let's go ahead and play with some people had a whole summer and some didn't. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, even looking in the league that we've moved to, uh, all the teams in our league are in another county with the exception of us. So if their county, let's say, opened up in a week or two weeks and our county didn't, and, and we stayed like this for some considerable amount of time, it would be a huge advantage. So I think that, again, even though we have a season that, you know, that's been planned out and they moved it back, there's a lot of logistics to work, to work through because you would hate for all of a sudden December 14th rolls around and suddenly the week before things clear up and now they say that you can have a season and you knowingly um, or you understand that there were many other teams that had been on the field for maybe months or, or certainly a lot of weeks in advance that you, you're, you're putting your, your program at a disadvantage and possibly even a risk. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when we look at this and you're talking about those school districts that are going back and you're talking about yours, you haven't been able to do anything. What methods or what, what vehicles are you using to keep in contact with your kids? How, how are you managing what they do? You know, we talked to a great guy on here, Tony Holler. Uh, Tony's a great guy, feed the cats guy. guy. Love it. Yeah. 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 And speed guy. And um, it was interesting because we were in the first few weeks of COVID and he's like, I'm probably not the best guy to talk about any of this. Cause I'll just tell kids, if you don't want to do anything, don't do it. Right. But now we're, now we're four or five months into this. So to me, that's a, that's a difference. So how hard has it been for you and what are you using to keep in touch with all of your athletes? So I think football coaches are some of the most incredible guys to adapt and, and do things on the fly and have things rolled out instantaneously. So for instance, like when our state organization came out with that calendar at 9am on uh this last week, I believe it was Monday, they rolled it out. 
I was laughing to my wife telling her, hey, right now at 10 a.m., a lot of coaches have their new calendar that they're already sending out to their players, right? right. So, so when, we went, when we went on this, uh, this break, when they broke us from school on that Friday um, and we got message that we weren't coming back, uh, within, within two days, we had a message out to our players in terms of how we were going to go forward. So, you know, you were doing Google Meets or Zoom. You were using a platform where you were going to be able to communicate. So we, uh, we told them that we would continue with, uh, with workouts. We had a, uh, an Excel file that we sent to them. So whether you had a full-scale home gym or you had no weights at all and you had to do the old school kind of workouts with body weight and backpacks and things like that. We had all the exercises that they needed to maintain their, their strength levels. We had all the exercises they needed to maintain their conditioning. We had all the stuff that they could do at home to maintain their speed. And so we had that. We had uh, our Google Meets or uh, our Zoom meetings three days a week where we would meet as a team for 30 minutes. And then after the 30 minutes, we had breakout meetings by position groups. So they met with their coaches. We did install. This kind of gave us a new, a new perspective on yeah. how we can do things during the off season. Uh, JR, and- this was better than most education plans. Are you taking notes? I mean, because really, my kid's teacher yeah. didn't even contact him for like six weeks after this. Yeah. So you got your kids rolling, coach. That's awesome. So football, football, it's a, it's APPE is what it is. It's advanced placement PE because like we, have, like we have kids like they have in AP classes that are these kids, they're passionate. They want to learn. So you have a captive audience just like you would in an AP class. Um, so we found that we found it that way, that, that easy as well. And, and, and a great coach is what he's a great teacher. So you're going to find ways to, to have a platform to be able to continue to teach your kids. So, so we did, so we did the, uh, the zoom meetings three days a week. And then after a few weeks, I'm like, we can access all these different coaches that normally couldn't meet with our guys. Right. So so we accessed high school, high school coaches. I Man. saw, I saw a big name you got. I saw him. I saw we got, him. We got some, some professional coaches. Yep. Uh, an NFL coach, an XFL coach, a CFL coach. We got some NCAA coaches that we were able to work around things. Um, and I, well, they thought they were just talking to our staff and, which is legal, but our players were, were listening in too. So there were some good things. We had a, a, an NFL strength coach. Um, and so next week we're going to continue with some more of that. And, uh, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to roll. We're going to, we're not going to make excuses. We're going to, we're going to do our thing. It sounds like your, your podcast is better than ours. To be <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. But one of the things you said, and I know JR's got a question for you, but one of the things you said, I totally agree with. You just phrased it on a higher level than what I phrase it. I tell people all the time that that rectangle, that's a classroom. That's what it is. But APPE, JR, I'm stealing yeah, that. Yeah, that's I'm, good. I'm so, I wrote that I'm down. So, I'm so stealing that, coach, because that's exactly it. It's less letters. It's more descriptive. It puts it on a higher level. 
But oftentimes people look at it and go, well, that's the football team. They get everything they want. No, that's a classroom and they're working for everything they get. There's a difference. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. And, 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 the test is, and the test is every Friday night yep. and you've got people on one side of the stadium hoping you're going to ace the test. And on the right. other side of the stadium, they're hoping you're going to fail miserably. Right. Like, <laughs> it should be like that every time we take a test. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to steal that. I wrote that. I wrote that down on my pad here. So, Coach, for all of our listeners out here, tell us about Beaumont a little bit. I know you're outside of Los Angeles. Uh, when we had Chris Four on here, he was talking about the desert, which I said I'm never going to the desert. But it looks like you might be on the fringe there a little bit. So, tell us a little bit about Beaumont. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, I had a little interruption here. My my little guy was asking if he can he can go with his buddy. But um, so so I was up at Burroughs High School for eight years up in the high desert, and then I took a job at Fontana High School, and we needed to find a place to live. So that was in two thousand and six. I took took the job at uh, at uh, A B Miller in Fontana, and so we were moving two and a half hours south of where we lived, and we had to find a place, and and we were really struggling looking and a teacher at the school said you know you should check out Beaumont it's easy to commute to A.B. Miller from from Beaumont it's only about 30 minutes um, and they just had kind of added on to this freeway that was going to make it really simple really simple super easy so we in 2006 um, bought our house here in Beaumont and I commuted to A.B. Miller and I was there for three years and and a, another job came up um, in, uh, in Corona at Santiago High School. And I thought that would be just the most incredible place to live. Um, the school's an awesome school. The culture's there is great. We've got great kids. The community is all about sports. And I spent six years commuting on the freeway to Santiago in Corona, which was a little bit longer of a commute and especially coming home. Yeah. And uh, by my last year, it was like, this is just, I can't do this anymore. Like it, it was clear we just weren't going to be able to move there. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I can't do this anymore. Um, anyways, long story short, uh, we go on break. I had a chance to coach in, uh, in the Under Armour game at a player that, that played in it. And so the whole family had a vacation in, in Florida, which was really cool. And I came back and I was recharged. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. And the first day going back to, uh, to school, there was an accident on the freeway and it took me close to three hours to get to school. And I'm like, Hey, I can't do this. I'm anymore. done. <laughs> How many miles and was it? 45, oh. 45. And so, uh, so a friend of mine was uh, was resigning his position at Rancho Verde. He was going to just kind of take some time off and go coordinate at another school. And I put in and uh, and I wound up getting the job a lot closer to home, 25 minutes, easy commute. And and I was in heaven, the football culture. Pete Duffy, who was the head coach there, did such an unbelievable job at that school because they were nothing before he took over. And, uh, and uh, the football culture was great. There were some things that I wanted to kind of add on to the football program and build on things that he did. 
And uh, I was there for three years thinking, uh, this, I'm going to retire here because it's an easy drive. The culture's great. The football program's doing really well. And uh, at my last season, as we were getting ready to go to the playoffs, I, the principal had called me from Beaumont High School. And we talked a bit. And she said, I know you've lived in the community for some time. Um, we're going to have an opening here at the school. And uh, so I, I met with her once and just figured, you know what, I got to let me finish out my season and focus on this and we'll get together after. And I went from thinking, you know, we'll just kind of get together and meet. I don't know if it's something I've just got too good of an opportunity here to the third time I met with her. I was like, I have to take this job. Like I would be a fool not to not to go for this because of all the great things. So in um, in 1998, when we moved to California, there may have been 11,000 people living in Beaumont. Mm -hmm. The school probably at that time had a thousand kids in the school. Okay. And here we are, here we are in 2020 and the community is about 50,000 people and growing. Uh, it's the largest growing community in California. Oh, man. And the school is at 3000 students. And the district has decided not to build another school that we're just going to, you know, we're going to build. So as a football coach, you'd go, okay, this is a great setup. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we've got good kids. We've got good kids. Um, we've been able to turn it around pretty quick. Uh, they had a, uh, who I considered a pretty good football coach before I got here. Things didn't work out, but we're, we kind of are building on a lot of the great things that he did when he was here. So. We were fortunate. They hadn't been to the playoffs uh, in a long time. In our first year, we were pretty much a play away from being in the championship. Um, second year, we were rolling. Second year, we were rolling as well. Um, unfortunately, we, uh, we, we caught a buzzsaw the first round of the playoffs, and it was a shootout, and, and we, we lost a close one to them. And then we were ready for this third year to happen. Right. And then <laughs> right. right. You know, you oh, mentioned – You've been at several previous places, and, and I watched a video in which you were talking about the three key components of assistant coaches, which I found really interesting. And if anybody hasn't seen that, I'd encourage you to go look this up. And one of the things you said was they have to understand the vision of the head coach and take that vision to everybody. So when you come into a new school, and you may not be able to handpick all your assistants and you may have some holdovers or some people that sure. they may not be real happy that you're there. How do you sell that to them? Well, okay. So yeah, I think, and that's where it starts with like, when you have, when you have a vision of what success looks like and what your program is going to look like, you should be able to sell it. Like I know what my why is. Um, so I find it easy to sell on a daily basis. And so, so when I took the job at Beaumont, um, I set up meetings for about a month where uh, I met with various coaches and stuff. And, uh, and we just talked about, you know, I, I felt like I had, before I had to find out about them, I had to sell myself. Like maybe, maybe I'm not the kind of guy they wanted to coach with. So it's not me. I'm picking you. It's right. We're kind of in this together. Yeah. So, in a way, you've got to decide you're on board with me. So I told them about my background, which most of them, most of them knew about. Um, 
uh, my background, uh, told them about my family, what, what my philosophy is about working with kids and all that. And then, you know, just talk to them about uh, themselves, like not really too much X's and O's to start, but I needed to, I needed to get a sense of that they were really buying into what I was talking about on what my football philosophy is, how I was going to work with kids, what my vision was for the program, not only in our community, but in the state. And so, um, so you can kind of get a sense through their energy and their body language um, if they're kind of buying it. And so then when you start to hear back of things that they've done and they believe in, you kind of see it, okay, is this a match? Um, are they going to be somebody that buys into to my vision? Are they going to be able to sell it too? Now, they don't need to be a rah-rah guy, but you've got to be able to see that in terms of how they treat kids and how they live their life and, and their relationships with other people. So, so that, was, that, that was big. Um, the, other one, the other one is they've got to just be passionate about working with today's youth because I know that there's a saying that like, look, the kids have the same basic needs that they've had 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And that, that is very true. But the thing is the environment, our society has changed drastically, which affects how these kids are going to respond and act and expect. And so you have to be able to, to deal with that and not get not too jazzed up, ramped up about, you know, some of the, some of the challenges with, with these kids go through now. Like I, I certainly don't want to hear when we played or, you know, back <laughs> in the day, like, cause it doesn't mean anything other than if we're just hanging out and talking about right. like, Hey, the good old days. But I don't need to talk about when we played because that was a different world. It was a different world. Absolutely. So, so, so they have to, they have to actually be energized to, um, I guess, making a difference in kids' lives and help, helping those, those kids wherever they start be quality men when they, when they finish in our program. So that, that, that's a big one. And then the third one was just like testing their football knowledge and, uh, and knowing where they're at, knowing where they're at, because you've got to know, okay, is he, is he going to need a little more guidance to start? Or is he going to be good to go on his own? Have you found that having some success makes that a little bit easier as you've gone from place to place? So I think credibility is important. Um, and, and you can be credible and not have had a lengthy career. Um, but I think that maybe some of the things that I've done probably made it a little easy for for me to to get the the buy-in from the coaches and the players because it's you know like I like I've been there I've done some of these things I'm not just making stuff up right this isn't something new I want to try um but it's also I think my past experiences have helped me in being able to deal with various types of kids to deal with parents to deal with administration to be able to get sponsorship. Um, so it's, it's helped in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And some of the stuff that you talked about it, like we don't have to talk about what it was when we played and who it was and what this and what that, because JR and I firmly believe 
doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's about what you do next. And that's what we teach the kids. If you have a bad play, it's okay. Reset, have another good one. So what I did in high school, what anybody did in high school, what I did in college, doesn't matter at this point, unless you're having a casual conversation and a kid is like, coach, where, what position do you play in college? Or what, what did you do? Or what did you do? I totally agree. 100%. You hit the nail on the head. JR and I talk about that at nauseum sometimes. <laughs> um, I want to ask because one of the things, and this is what I was talking about in the intro, you have something called six days until Friday. You've, you've done it for a long time. I, and I saw this a long time ago and I thought it was just a lot. You talked about the calendar. People shoot out that calendar to their parents, their players. They get that calendar. But what a lot of people don't see is the calendar that the coaches get, the calendar that the admin wants to see, the calendar that sets your tone and your mood and how you're selling that vision. And when you put that out there, it was just like, this makes perfect sense to me. Why, why haven't I already thought about this? I felt a little, you know, I felt a little dumb for a little bit. So tell us about six days until Friday. And if it's changed at your locations, principle stays the same, but if you've tweaked anything and we're going to dive into something a little later off script, I'm just going to give you a heads up about has it changed on the field, like contact and practice, time at practice, breaks at practice, those kind of things. But first, tell us about six days until Friday because I'm going to take some notes because I, I got it from you before. So if anything's adapted, I, want, I just want to soak in it. So, so at, when, when the season finishes, the, and this is going to be – I hope I don't ramble on, but when the, <laughs> no, se- man, go, when go. the season finishes, I start to identify all – every way we need to improve for the next year. So it could be like, okay, what kind of equipment do we need? What needs to be done? What do I need more of? What do I need on the field, in the weight room? Um, and then I, I look into our strength training program, our speed program, all of that. So it's, it's kind of like a, you take your program and you're really studying what you do, what you need. And it could be everything from just like what the players are wearing to, to, okay, like I, does this exercise really need to be done in the weight room and, and maybe protocol in terms of meeting with the AD and the principal to keep, you know, keep them informed. And then, so once that's done, then the next thing is that now, now I'm going to build my calendar for the next year and the calendar goes out to all the parents and players, uh, well, it's early. It goes out really early just to keep them informed and let them, hopefully they're gonna you know, work around it, right? Right. Um, and, then, uh, and then as we get closer to things like spring football, they'll get the dates of when we're, when we're on the field, what we're doing, the coaches, we do all the planning in advance. So all of our spring stuff's done. Then we do the same for the summer. And then we do the same for the season. And I think communication is the key with everybody. Admin, parents, players. Like if you can communicate with them, I think you're going you're gonna to minimize a lot of problems just to yeah. keep people informed. If at all, if for anything, parents know when you're on, when you're off, what time they're picking their kids up and stuff like that. Like you just don't want to surprise those three groups. Um, it, makes, it makes life hard. 
And so then when we get to the season, I really feel like every week is a race to get ready for Friday night. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. Time is the same for everybody. And then in most programs here, you know, you've got a, one class during the day that's going to be your football class. And traditionally, it's been sixth period. The last period at the day, I've moved ours to another period for a variety of reasons that I can talk to if you guys want. But we go first period in the morning. So, so generally, the race to Friday starts for the players on Sunday. On Sunday, what they're going to get is they're going to get their scouting reports. And those scouting reports are going to come through huddle. So already on Sunday, they could get a jump and at least kind of just take 10 minutes, 10 minutes, look at your scouting reports so that when you come in Monday morning, you've already, it's almost like when you're going to get a book, you read the back cover and you've got an idea of what the book's about. Now you're really interested. So kind of that's what they're doing on, on Sunday. So they come in Monday morning, Monday morning, they're going to um, fill out their commitment sheets. So they, they're going to, Th choose three commitments for the week that they feel are going to help them skill wise and help our team be successful on, on Friday night. And we tell our, our players, you're going to, you're going to focus on your commitments for the week. And if you can master those or improve on them, there's going to be a good chance if we're all doing that, we're going to be successful on Friday. So we don't really talk about winning. Everybody wants to win. What does that mean? I want to win. Okay. They want to win. Well, we wanted it more. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't win because you don't win because you wanted it more. You wanted, win right. because you've put your plan into effect better, probably. Right. Correct. So, so, so then on, on Monday, we call Monday tone setter Monday. It sets the tone for the rest of the week. So they've already started Monday looking at that scouting report, having an idea. And on Monday, we do our, we do the install, we review uh, the other team, all of that stuff. And then, um, and then at the end of Monday, before they go home, you know, we'll just kind of review some of the things. And then Tuesday is takeaway Tuesday. It's all about ball security on offense and getting the ball on defense. And, uh, and Tuesday, we, we go a little more live action. Uh, and then when Wednesday comes, it's competition Wednesday. Okay, so we're now, it's game situations, it's situational football and all that stuff. And then Thursday's perfect Thursday. So we're now putting our game plan um, uh, into, to try to be as perfect as possible. When we go through our scripted practice, it's all team, team, special, uh, team and special team sessions. We cover all segments of the game, everything that we're going to need to do, two-point plays, last play of the game, last three plays of the game two-minute offense, all of that stuff. Um, and then Friday is payday. Friday's right. reward for having a great week. Right. Yeah. The It just makes sense, right? We do it for everything else. And it goes back to people always say, well, prioritize your schedule. Prioritize your schedule. And I heard something, and I totally believe it. It's schedule your priorities. What are your priorities? Well, for you, they're ball security, they're competition, they're scenarios. It's everything you need to get paid on Friday, right? So it, it's everything you need to be a good husband, a good father. It translates way past football. 
So while those kids think they're preparing for a football game, at some point in time, I guarantee you, coaching, you probably had this. You probably don't, you don't have to tell us if you did or not, but somebody's probably used that same blueprint and told you about it, that that's what they do during the week. And they're like stupid successful right now. It's amazing. I loved it when I read it. I loved it when I heard it. I love it even more now and probably because you're responding on Twitter, I'm probably going to ask you a ton of questions to bother you. Like, like you- I don't want to make like I'm some guru and invented this. Guys, look, like, like it's either I watched or learned something from somebody else and was like, right. okay, that totally fits with the kind of coach I am and what I'd like to do. Or, or I made a horrible mistake at some point <laughs> and, ha- and, and I have right. to correct this. Right. Yeah. It just makes sense. And, and I applaud you for it. It adds value to everything. How has it changed now? You mentioned, you know, ball security, stuff like that. You might be a little bit more live. Has your philosophy changed from when you started back in 98 all the way to now to 2020? Is it, you know, because we have a lot of, we have a lot of teams around here that really line up in wing tee and have and every day they pound and practice over and over again or double tight flex bone over and over and we have guys that are just five wide every snap what is it for you guys what what do you value the most so so i do think there's a physical part that you do need it's nowhere nearly as much pounding as we thought at one point and uh, i i just say that like you have to evolve if you want to keep uh, your career intact or if you want to keep this game going. Like, right. Um, yeah. So, and, and then the science behind it too is yeah. ridiculous. So, right. so right. I remember when I took the job at, uh, at AB Miller, we had, I believe it was two and a half weeks of two a days. And then we still had more practices before our first game. And we were pads on. We were. I was really into three-hour practices at the time, um, and uh, and over time, you just you learn that you know it, it's not the time that you're spending on the field; it's what you're putting into that time. And I feel like we've just become so much more efficient. Um, so generally, when we start the year, our practices are two and a half hours. Um, once we hit, you can hear planes. There's a, my <laughs> wife texted me. Apparently there's a f- crazy fire nearby and she, oh, you know, no. we're football coaches. So we're working right now. So <laughs> I'm not phased, but, um, so, so, um, you look at, you look at the time you spend and, and just being, just, you know, being efficient with the use of your time. So we start the year off two and a half hours. And then as we get into our first game, those practices become two hours. We have a 15-minute early out session every day before practice. And practice will go no longer than 24 periods. Mm. Okay. There's even times where I put on the, on, the, uh, on the practice plan that gets posted up in the locker room, 24 periods, and it shows five minutes. And I cut a minute off every period. So they're only four minute periods. And I am on the coaches and the players to be moving and stuff. And the kids get off the field and they go, how do we finish so early? Right, right. And so, yeah. so, um, so, so we do that as well. And then our Thursday practice 
Wednesday, as the season goes, is always under two hours, and Thursday is anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Um, but I think that you also have to be smart in terms of when are we doing tempo of some sort at practice? Like, when is it important to just get reps, reps, reps? But when is it important to slow things down, to teach, to, to really teach. get the feel of a certain drill as well? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we script everything like when we're live because we're limited on the amount of times that we can go live um, during the week. We don't do a lot of live. Like I'll tell players it's live to the whistle, but I'm blowing the whistle really quick. If it's, if it's apparent that he's going to be tackled or they've closed in on him, there's no – like we practice tackling enough that that doesn't need to be a tackling drill. That's not what those team sessions are for. Right. Um, special teams, we quick whistle all the, all the special teams that are 11 on 11. And I think that it's important – again, for just to be smart so that your players are healthy and ready for Friday so that they stay hungry during the season and that you minimize risks of injury, that you go through your practice plan and you go through your days of the week and you determine, you know, what's walk through, what's, what's full speed, what's tag, what's thud and what's live. Right. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned a lot on efficiency there and being more efficient. Without giving away the store here, I'm very curious because I put together a lot of our scouting report stuff. What do you give the kids? Like, what is the snapshot you give them that they can initially process there on Sunday? So I'll tell you from I'll tell you from an offensive perspective. Um, so they get the uh, the other team's uh, um, win loss record. How many how many how many points they've allowed on defense? Uh, who the top tacklers are, who are the top players in defense, how many interceptions have they had, how many turnovers have they created. And, uh, and then I give them their, um, their starting lineup with, with the depth chart for defense. I give them their base defense that they play. We give them their third and long defense. Uh, I give them their short yardage and goal line defense. Uh, we give them their red zone defense. And then any adjustments that they're doing um, and blitzes as well. And then again, like there's a little bit of it is I try to use uh, like snapshots as much as possible. So if it's not video, I'll take a screenshot of something and then I can, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you can, you can doctor it up and, and add all the bells and whistles in PowerPoint and then save it as a JPEG and send it back over into huddle. Yeah. Um, so I, I do things that are going to, um, really capture their eye and allow them to learn that way as much as possible. And then we never, with the exception of certain kids, certain kids on the team kind of have that, that credibility where they love to watch full games and get a feel for stuff. Nobody else. And those are far and few between to have those kind of guys that are just real football junkies that love watching a bunch of film. The only thing they're getting is what I've sent them. So I'll send them base defensive clips, and it could be 10 clips. I'll send them a reel of third and long um, goal line defense. And we, so we never watch, you know, and I know nobody does anymore, but we never watch full games. What's the one thing that the kids, you hear the kids talking about the most from when they come in, say, on Monday for that first period? What's the questions they ask you the most, or what are they observing the most from that? 
for offensive line, um, you know, if, uh, you know, really kind of keying in on the front and maybe some indicators as to their favorite blitzes, um, you know, our offensive linemen are, are have done a much better job in really learning football in terms of seeing, you know, when uh, a possibly coverage is going to, coverage rolling is indicating that there's going to be somebody coming off the edge or how your guy's shading you to determine if somebody's coming off the edge, things the linebackers do that they watched on film. Um, you know, if they're coming, you know, like the, uh, the universal, Hey, I'm going to be blitzing when the linebacker taps, <laughs> taps <laughs> defensive lineman on the butt, yeah. telling them what yeah. gap he's going. So they're looking right. for some things like that. And then, you know, the quarterbacks, quarterbacks and receivers are always talking, uh, always talking uh you know coverage and stuff like that and 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 uh, not not too much personnel um yeah. we get into the personnel as the week goes on but we want them to be more uh system system oriented than have to worry about who they're necessarily going to attack yeah makes sense makes sense to me you brought it up and i've seen your name on some national speaking stuff so i want to dive into just a little bit of scheme and Interestingly enough, on this podcast, we, we talk about scheme last, really. It's, yeah. it's really like your, your scheme is great, but if your kids don't want to be there and they don't want to be successful and you're not instilling that in them in some way, it doesn't really matter what you do, right? Um, you're a hurry-up, no-huddle guy, had a ton of success with that. We have a route combination that we've run for a long time. We just call it stick. It's probably universal. Um, what is it that it's like day one, you're going to install the first trips combo. You know that you trust it beyond belief. What is it that you like and why? So, so trip, trips combo um, would probably be, be stick, which is, just super simple yeah. and there's so many things that you can do with it as well like that that becomes rpo mm -hmm. rpo and run game as well um and then uh, and then the other thing that we really love is spacing with three receiver side as well so th those would be two really big concepts that early on like you should know inside out and know if you're playing us that that's probably going to be something coming at you right yeah, we love the spacing concept. We usually do it from condensed, though. Add some motion to it, and then, Jr. How many years we've been running that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's six, seven. Yeah, it, and it's just it's so sim simple to read. We don't care what coverage you're in; it doesn't matter. Same yeah. thing with stick. Yeah, those are two things that they're like they're great versus any coverage, and they've got a lot of answers in them, and they're they're right. solid. Right. I want to ask you, we we do this Twitter poll. Okay. And, and you're a hurry up spread. No huddle guy. Um, we did JR and I were on the defensive side of the ball for a long time, switched over to offense when we went to our new school, which is a little bit smaller than the school you're, you're at currently. Um, but when we were doing defense, we were always looking for easier ways to give the kids the scouting report. So it's just what they need, right? We don't, we don't need something like this. They're not going to read it. They don't have time. Um, we contend that there's really only three ways to run the football. 
You can go inside the tackle, you can go outside the tackle, or you can go option, which is both inside and outside. They're really above and beyond that. There's, there's nothing you can do. So we put out this Twitter poll that said, do you agree? And lo and behold, it was like 60-40 or something like that, JR, 70-30. No, we don't agree. And I said, okay, well, if you don't agree, come on the podcast. Let's debate it. Let's figure out what you're talking about. So we got somebody who said, well, what about misdirection? And JR's response was, it's either. Or is he going backwards? (laughs) Yeah, it's either inside or outside the tackles. Super successful guy. Would you agree that there's really only three ways that you can run the football inside, outside, or option, which is both inside and outside? Yeah, there's, there, there's, there's three areas, right? There's three areas. Um, right. Now you can, you can change, you can change how you're going to, you know, what, I guess what your, your thought process is or what you really believe in in terms of how you're going to attack those areas because mm-hmm. you could be you could be a zone guy or you could be a gap guy right right so right. if you're if you're a zone guy you know you you've got your inside inside zone outside zone and you could i guess option could be a form of zone as well um how you block it or you're going to be a gap guy and so you're going to go trap counter power inside um and then you can go pin and pull which is a form of gap to go outside right so uh, and then, and then you can decide how you're going to actually deliver the ball. So it could be in all of those, either handed or thrown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we did it because we were playing teams week to week. that were so different. One week we got wing T one week we got Flexbone. one week we got uh, pro twins. Another week it's five wide. And it came down to, we could just really tell the, the kids on the team, Hey, listen, they don't like to run out there. They like to run right here or they're not coming in here. They're coming out here. And this is why we're setting it up for our base defense. This is why our stunts and our blitzes are this week. And it just made it made it super simple. The kids were like, Hey coach, are they inside or outside guys? They're outside of this week. Okay. We got it. You know, it, scouting report done. So it, it made it super simple. So JR, I definitely think we're winning this, this poll. <laughs> Um, I, I definitely think we're winning. We, it, it, it makes super sense to us. I know JR has a question and then I'm going to ask you something very important at the end coach. And I appreciate your time. Uh, it's been incredible. I really hope you guys get back and they, the kids don't miss their season. Um, but I know JR has a question that he wants to ask. So coach, we've had quite a few people on here that, that mentioned culture and, I've got kind of a, a strange twist on the culture question here, and, and I thought you might be the perfect candidate to, to kind of talk about this just because you have been at various places where you've had to take over. You've kind of changed what's been going on there and been very successful with it. So my question is, instead of asking how do you install and change the culture, how do you realize that the culture is the problem? Because everybody talks about culture, but I don't think a lot of people truly understand culture is the problem. And I don't think they understand how to really get to the point to where they can identify that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think you, you find out a lot about, so culture is, it's what you see. And a lot of guys 
they want to be blind to those things. And so it's like, you've got to like, you know, the, 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 uh, Jack, uh, Jack Nicholson, you want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so a lot of guys, they, they, they want culture, but they can't handle where it's at. So they kind of turn a blind eye. And I think that you, the, the way you see your kids practice is that's your culture. Like I always tell our kids, if somebody came to our practice one time and they, and they, and they watch practice, what would their takeaway be about our team? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we don't have to sit and talk about it, but you think about it, that's going to tell somebody everything in terms of that's really who you are. That's what you're doing. It's not what you're saying or, you know, what you're saying you're going to do, but the way you practice and the way guys see you practice says a lot about your team. So I've always told coaches like get somebody who's not on your staff. That's a retired coach or somebody who's somewhere else to just kind of come by and, you know, and tell you what they see, have somebody come by your weight room, tell you what yeah. you, they see in the weight room. And I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have people come by and, and I get a lot of really good feedback and there's things that sometimes, okay, I got to correct this thing. Cause that's what, that's what they're saying. And then how are your kids grades on campus? Do you have kids that are ineligible? How are they behaving on campus? How are they behaving out in the community? So when you go and take over a program, they may be the greatest players on the field, but not doing a great job in class, not being leaders on campus. You're hearing about all sorts of things. So that kind of gives you an indication of things that, that you need to, uh, to, to grab a hold of and, and correct. And so in, and this is a saying that again, I didn't make this up, but it really makes a lot of sense in Bad football programs, there's no expectations at all. Like, right. and, and I'm not talking about posting some rules up. Right. But in bad football programs, the players are doing what they want. Coaches, aren't, coaches aren't great role models. They're not holding people accountable. In good football programs, the coaches will set the expectations and hold everybody accountable. Okay, and you look around and there's a lot of programs like that. In the elite football programs, the expectations are set and the players are players. holding each other accountable. And when you have that, that's the challenge. The challenge is to, to get, get your, your leaders and your players to believe that they have that kind of ownership in the program. Um, and it's very hard. It's very hard to get a large number of young men to hold like the, the, the hardest thing is holding your peer accountable. Like that's, that, those are hard conversations for kids to have when they see their buddy messing around. Right. It's re, it's right. okay. If you're the senior and you see a sophomore yeah. and you're jumping on him. Right. But it's hard when you're, you're a senior and, and you know, your buddy's out doing things that, that they shouldn't. And, and you got to now kind of, you know, keep them in check. Um, and then part of the culture is it's, it's not just, holding people accountable in a, in a way that you're barking at them. That's just being a boss and nobody right. likes being barked at all the time, but it's, it's being that passionate about your program that you're a player and you have no problem walking over to another player. He may play the same position as you. He may be competing for a spot with you and telling him, man, you just, that was, that was a great, great rep in that drill, man, or you did an awesome job. I try to block you. You slip by rather than, you know, 
the right. thing that a lot of those guys are going to be upset because they were shown up. They're going to mad dog the other guy. But I think when you can get guys giving other guys on the team attaboys, it builds for an awesome culture in your program. Yeah, how long, I, I agree. How long would you say on average, say you walked into a really bad situation, how long do you think it would take to turn that 180 in the other direction, just on average? I Honestly, I don't know. I've been very fortunate that it's, it, you know, never took too long but um like i i would tell any administrator that it will happen i can't tell you if it's going to be this year or three years it's going to happen the program is going to be successful i just don't know when and that when depends on a variety of of factors um you know your support that you have in terms of your assistant coaches and i'm really fortunate we got yeah we got great coaches where i've been um your support at the school from administration and then the support that the kids are getting like um, when they go back home, because if the parents and the coaches are fighting, it doesn't work. Like you need the parents on board as well. And that goes back to communication and building relationships. And yeah. so, you know, I've, I've been very lucky that, you know, it's never, it's never been a, um, when it's going to happen, um, it's going to be, it will happen. I just don't have a calendar on if it's going to be a year or two years. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. You know, my, my youngest son is 12. He's going to play 13 new baseball next year. And I'm fortunate enough that I get to coach him to doing that. And we have some spaces open next year on his team. And I asked the other parents, Hey, who are good families? not good kids. I don't just need a kid who can throw really hard or hit really far. We need good families because right now we're all working in sync to do this for, you know, your sons. We don't need somebody that's going to come in and start to change that how we go. So you're right. It, it's a community thing all the way up and down the ladder and chain. Um, Coach, I really appreciate your time here today. One of the things that JR and I like to do on this podcast is is keep talking to people all over the country. And we've been really fortunate. We've talked yeah. to people from coast to coast up in Canada, you know, a guy who's supposed to take over a new program in Canada. And now he doesn't know if he's going to get to, we've become good friends with a lot of these folks and, you know, football and relationships just kind of transcend that, that rectangle that's out there. But our favorite part really of the podcast is telling people, you know, the oldest game is tag and you've been it for about an hour now. And, We'd like to know who you're going to tag so that we can keep this thing rolling because COVID's not going away and a lot of people want to keep talking and, and getting on here. So it's totally up to you. You don't have to participate if you don't want to. It's uh, perfectly fine, but we're going to try and peer pressure you and tell you that nobody said <laughs> no to um, But if you would like to tag somebody – and they're on our bucket list in any way, shape, or form. We're going to send money to your charity and their charity. And uh, what say you? All right. Well, I would, uh, I would tag uh, Kurt Hines down in uh, San Diego, California. Okay. Uh, be an awesome guy for you guys to talk to in terms of just culture and, and how, to work with, how to work with kids and, uh, and, and build uh, great things into your football program. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Coach, 
take your time, whatever you'd like, whoever you want to give a shout out to there at Beaumont, anybody, it could be the local grocery store clerk because he's just an awesome guy or gal. It's your time. Plug your area, talk them up, whatever you want to tell them. Well, you know, um, Ramona's uh, Mexican Cafe, I, I would have to uh, give them a plug. Because <laughs> okay. They've been, All they've, right. been very, they've been very good to us. And uh, if you are ever in this area, so if you land in Palm Springs, it's only a 30-minute drive to Beaumont. Um, you go to Ramona's Mexican Cafe and you ask for the El Nasty Burrito. Nasty. And okay. I would challenge somebody to post a picture, post a picture and say that they've actually finished it. Um, <laughs> What's in this thing? Oh, it, it is incredible. So <laughs> it's, it's got, it's got pork. It's, it's a, it's a wet burrito, mm -hmm. the wet burrito and in it, they crack an egg and on top on the outside, they crack an egg and they cook it. And so the egg gets cooked. And there's a long story of how this burrito was, uh, came, you know, invented. Um, so, it, which is a very unique story as well. And it's the egg with the pork. It's extremely tasty, really good. Oh, um, okay. I also have to give a shout out to our, uh, to our administration at Beaumont High School. Um, our, uh, our principal, uh, Jesus uh, Jimenez and... Uh, and uh, our athletic director, uh, Martin Dussold, kind of starts with, with them to, uh, to make our athletics program and our school great. And our superintendent, Terrence Davis, as well. So huge shout out to those guys. I tell you what, with you guys cool. playing January, February, we'll try to get out there. Might have to uh, come out and check a, check a game out out there for sure you guys are more, more than welcome let me know if you're going to be out this way and then we'll we'll go get a, an ill nasty after the game <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome that would be awesome uh coach i have a question for you offline when we're done it's just something i was thinking about today uh but we totally respect your time and we are very appreciative and i promise i won't bother you too much on twitter never uh, it, it it's been great for us jr we've couldn't go to clinics, couldn't go and do these things. We have our own clinic here in mid-Missouri that you're always welcome to come to, Coach. Absolutely. I don't know if we, know if we can get you out of your first class, but maybe like <laughs> coach or something, we can get you here. But um, it's just amazing, JR. I don't even know how this happens for two guys in the middle of Missouri doing this. I'm so thankful. Coach, thank you for your time, for process, preparation, and performance. I'm Duke. He's Simmons. We've been on the coast today with Coach Steinberg out of Beaumont. Totally worth it. Totally thankful. God bless, folks. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.